Nobody can be too Jewish. That's exactly it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Shalom and welcome to the Two Jewish Radio Show with Rabbi Sam Cohen and Friends, a weekly serving of everything Jewish. We'll have a great hour together today of news, music, comedy, and conversation. In addition to our guest interview, we'll also have a visit from our expert on the international Jewish scene, Tom Price. Please email your comments to us at twojewishradio18 at gmail.com or visit us on the web at twojewishradio.com. The opinions of the host and guests on Two Jewish are their own and not those of the radio station. Two Jewish is paid for by Two Jewish radio programs and podcasts, Tucson, Arizona. And now, here's Rabbi Sam Kohan and Two Jewish. Shalom. You know, I've heard that old lie that anti-Zionism is not the same thing as anti-Semitism so many times over the years. But denying that we Jews, alone among all the peoples of the world, have no right to our own nation, including the nation established by the United Nations on the same homeland we've inhabited for thousands of years, is not just some sort of political statement. It is hatred of Jews, expressed in different words. And there are much more virulent expressions of that hatred evident right now, as Israel responds to the worst atrocity any modern nation has experienced at the hands of terrorists in history. This Jew hatred is now out in the open, no longer even lightly coated with anti-Zionism. Instead, it is being shouted in the same sick words that have been used for, oh, 2,000 years or so. A few choice examples from the past week all around the world. First, on the campus of my own alma mater, or one of them, UCLA, pro-Palestinian terrorist demonstrators chanted, Israel, Israel, you can't hide. We want Jewish genocide. That's not anti-Zionism. That's anti-Semitism that would fit well into the supporters of Adolf Hitler, Himach Shmo. That's racist hatred publicly and literally advocating genocide of Jews. How can that remain protected free speech? Two, in Paris, homes of Jews were spray-painted with Jewish stars, apparently to mark them for attack. Again, straightforward, primitive, brutal anti-Semitism. Three, A Cornell University junior named Patrick Dye was arrested in Ithaca, New York, after he posted on a Greek Life website comments including Jewish people need to be killed and eliminate Jewish living from Cornell campus. And if I see a pig male Jew, I will stab you and slit your throat. He is being charged with posting threats to kill or injure using interstate communications, a federal charge with a maximum sentence of five years in prison. Four, police in four different European countries, Germany, Britain, Belgium, and Italy, arrested people planning terrorist attacks on Jewish institutions and events. Not acts against Israel, mind you, just efforts to kill Jews. Five, in Dagestan, Russia, where the Tok Jews, mountain Jews, have lived since the 7th century, 
hundreds of anti-Semitic protesters invaded the airport and local hotels in a hunt for Jews and Israelis who landed on a flight from Tel Aviv last week. The local synagogue was also attacked, a further display of how a once thriving Jewish community is being targeted by anti-Semitic hate. Rabbi Alexander Baroda, president of Russia's Federation of Jewish Communities, said in response to the attack that anti-Israeli settlement has morphed into open aggression towards Russian Jews. In Moscow, the evil czar of Russia, President Vladimir Putin's statements on the war have become ever more extreme and anti-Semitic. Putin described the war in Gaza and Russia's war of aggression on Ukraine as part of a global struggle between good and evil. In his eyes, Russia, Iran, and the Palestinians are on the same side. Israel, however, is part of an axis of evil with the U.S. and Ukraine, which all decent people should oppose. Or they will be poisoned or blown up on airplanes or pushed out of windows, one supposes. This after Israel has played nice with Putin and Russia for years in an effort to protect Russian Jews and avoid conflict with the Russian forces propping up Assad's murderous Syrian dictatorship next door. At the UN last week, Russia's representatives said Israel has no right to self-defense. And finally, in Washington, D.C., One Republican congressman, Thomas Massey, and all the members of the progressive Democratic group in Congress known as The Squad voted against a resolution supporting Israel and condemning Hamas's brutality. Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jamal Bowman, Cori Bush, Al Green, Summer Lee, Andre Carson, and Delia Ramirez. When AIPAC condemned them as anti-Israel, which of course they are, Ocasio-Cortez attacked AIPAC, saying it was racist and bigoted. AIPAC has its supporters and detractors, but it has a long record of supporting politicians of every color and religion as long as they support Israel. It's a political action committee, of course. I wonder what Ocasio-Cortez means by racist and bigoted. Perhaps AOC is offended that AIPAC is, uh, Jewish? And of course, in recent weeks, we've seen pro-Palestinian terrorist rioters attempt to break into a library and attack Jewish students in Manhattan, anti-Semitic violence, that is, physical attacks on Jews skyrocketing in New York and throughout the U.S. and Canada, Great Britain, Australia, South America. I suppose I don't need to mention these actions are not political. They are public acts of anti-Semitism. Attacks on Jews for being Jews. They are racist acts. Now, calls of from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free, seek to destroy the only Jewish state in the world. And the people making these chants are the same ones who celebrated the murder of children in front of their parents, the torture and rape and brutal massacre of innocents, the kidnapping of peace activists, and the slaughter of young people dancing for peace. But of course, most of the people Hamas murdered were Jewish. So I guess it's okay for these pro-Palestinian terrorist marchers to ignore rape, torture, and murder, to tear down the photos of 230 hostages Hamas has abducted, 
when they are posted because most of the kidnapped children, women, and men are Jewish too, right? Protesting Israel's government or its actions is quite different from attacking Jews and advocating genocide. You know where they protest the government freely? Israel. But claiming to have moral authority when you join a pro-terrorism protest, pro-Palestinian terrorism, of course, and use the oldest, most vile anti-Semitic phrases and images is preposterous and shameful. It's just hate speech. Now, hate speech is that. Irrational, bigoted hatred spoken aloud, put out on the internet and on placards and social media. Using Israel's war against the brutal terrorism of Hamas as an excuse to broadcast your own anti-Semitism, that's just cowardly and evil. But it's become common over the last few weeks. I warned you here on Too Jewish that the support for Israel after October 7th would last about 10 days, followed by sympathy for the plight of the Gazans who elected Hamas to lead them in the first place, and Hamas has brought them suffering. Now, some evil people celebrated Hamas's many atrocities right away, of course, but the sympathy others gave Israel lasted until the first big Hamas lie, you know, the one about the hospital that Islamic Jihad hit with its own rocket, when that lie got big press. Israel was roundly and internationally condemned for what the Palestinian terrorists did to their own people 10 days after October 7th. On another subject related, though, the ceasefire or humanitarian pause some are demanding, including the reform movement of Judaism in America and the UN. Well, I wonder, if the Allies in World War II during the invasion of Nazi Germany had been told they needed to agree to a ceasefire to allow Germans to receive aid, would they have done so? While the Nazis kept shooting rockets at London? I think not. <sighs> to play us in this morning, here's a new version of Am Yisrael Chai, The People of Israel Live, recorded by Ayal Golan. We are united. We have not lost our faith. בקרוב תזרח השמש, נדע ימים יפים מאלה, הלב נלחם בדאגות. כולם יחזרו הביתה, נחכה להם למטה, הלוואי נדע בשורות טובות. כי עם הנצח לעולם לא מפחד, אפילו כשקשה לראות. כולם ביחד אף אחד פה לא בודד, שישרפו המלחמות. עם ישראל חי, אם לא נשכח תמיד להיות מאוחדים. עם ישראל חי, בעליות, בירידות, גם בשעות הכי קשות. הקדוש ברוך הוא שומר עלינו, אז מי יכול
תורתנו, לא תיפול כעת רוחנו מסביב ברזל של חרבות. ויונה תפרוס כנפיים, התקווה בת שנות אלפיים, עוד נצא לשיר ברחובות. כי עם הנצח לעולם לא מפחד, אפילו כשקשה לראות. כולם ביחד, אף אחד פה לא בודד, שישרפו המלחמות. was Eyal Golan with his hopeful new version of Am Yisrael Chai. Our guest on Too Jewish this morning is the wonderful young actress, Swell Ariel Or, star of The Beauty Queen of Jerusalem. She's promoting a new film, Sufim, but more importantly, she's working on bringing Israeli reservists home from all around the globe to join their units in the current war with a non-profit called the Israel Reserve Fund. She joins us in just a moment here on Too Jewish. We are the soul of Tucson. We are your neighbors and friends. Our commitment to provide the very best relies on the finest products and services you, our community, has to offer. Together, we make Tucson thrive. When we win, you win. Casino Del Sol, the soul of Tucson. Enterprise of the Pasquayaki Tribe. What is the Torah? What's the Talmud? How do Jews celebrate the Sabbath? Why do we start our days at night? How long have Jews been around? What do Jews believe about life after death? What are the major and minor Jewish holidays? What are the life cycle events for a Jew? Why is Israel so important? What is Jewish music? What are the best Jewish foods and why are they so connected to holidays? If you're interested in learning the ins and outs of Judaism, join Rabbi Sam Kohan for this weekly class, Sunday afternoons, 2 to 3.30 p.m., in person and on Zoom. Introductory Judaism is perfect for someone considering becoming Jewish, or coming back to Judaism, or learning about Judaism for the first time, or getting connected to Jews through relationship or marriage. Introductory Judaism runs from October to May, each Sunday afternoon. Questions? Call 520-276-5675. That's 520-276-5675. Or register at www.beitsimchatusan.org. 
We are delighted to welcome to Jewish one of Israel's uh, brightest acting stars, Swell Ariel Orr, and models. She was a revelation in The Beauty Queen of Jerusalem, a Netflix extremely successful series. She has done a variety of films in Israel, in Brazil, but now she is speaking out on behalf of Israel Abroad. Good morning and welcome to Two Jewish. Hi, welcome. So, um, I have to ask you a question. We have serious subjects to talk about, but I, I know a lot of different Israeli names. I'm not sure I ever saw Swell before. Tell me a little bit about where it comes from. Um, yes, definitely. My parents were hippies uh, when I was born and Swell and slang to describe the perfect wave of the sea. It's a surfer's slang. And um, my middle name, Ariel, which is a Hebrew name, was given to me by my Iraqi great-grandmother. It's one of the 70 names of Jerusalem. Of course. And or my last name means light, and my parents came up with this last name together. Swell, you know, uh, what's the Hebrew for swell? Because that's an English word. I mean, gal, I'm familiar with, galit, you know, uh, waves, but... I mean, it's like... Almost her full name. It's almost like Gal Gadot. It's like Gal Gadol, which means big right. wave. Big wave, right. Um, you're outside of Israel now. Tell us what that, what, what does that responsibility feel like during this terrible war after this horrific terror attack? Actually, specifically right now, I'm in Orlando. I'm premiering a film that's called uh, Kisufim which is the name of one of the kibbutzim in Gaza Street that got hit um, hard on October 7th, and we shot it two years ago, and sadly, it's more relevant than ever, and we had some, like, we didn't know if we should come or not to the festival, but we decided that it's so important because this film is a mirror to what is happening today, but the story takes place in the aid of the 70s after Yom Kippur War. And it's kind of, kind of remarkable that it came together, Ksufim, and, you know, about the time after the Yom Kippur War. I mean, it all feels very current, doesn't it? Yes. You know, hopefully the film will be out soon in the streamer and the whole world can watch it because the most beautiful message in the film is that Israelis and young people they just want to live freely. They want to just be Israelis. They don't want, especially the kibbutz members. I don't know if, I, I'm sure like the whole world, most of the non-Jewish world is not really aware of what a kibbutz is. It's people of peace. They work the land. They work with animals. They, all they want to do is peace and it's been taken from them. I, we will talk much more with Swell Ariel Orr uh, about Israel, about her film work, and about the work that she's done to try to bring uh, reserve soldiers back to Israel when we come back in a moment here on Two Jewish. 
Beit Simcha, the House of Joy, a wonderful Jewish synagogue in northwest Tucson. The Kenley Foothills celebrates a fabulous array of services, classes, and events this fall and winter, established by passionate, caring congregants and me, Rabbi Sam Kohan, almost five years ago. Beit Simcha is a vibrant, vital community that strives every day to serve God with joy. Progressive congregation in northwest Tucson and the Foothills, Beit Simcha is open to everyone throughout the Tucson metropolitan area, providing weekly Shabbat services, youth and adult education academy courses, social justice opportunities, outreach, and cultural Jewish programming. Join us in person for Shabbat services or come on Facebook Live. Go to our website, BeitSimchaTucson.org, B-E-I-T-S-I-M-C-H-A-Tucson.org. We welcome members and guests in person and, you know, online, call 520-276-5675 for more information on Beit Simcha. Religious schools available for school-aged children or grandchildren. Join us in our fabulous Hebrew school, bar and bat mitzvah programs, Torah Tykes experience, confirmation and teen programs, all in a fun, relaxed setting with great Jewish learning. Go to BeitSimchaTucson.org. Beit Simcha's services, classes, and events are available in person Friday night. Services are at 6.30 p.m. with an Oneg Shabbat afterwards. Saturday morning, Torah studies at 9 a.m. with services at 10 a.m. All with me, Rabbi Sam Kohan, leading them with our Beit Simcha musicians. The Facebook page is B-E-I-T-S-I-M-C-H-A Tucson, Beit Simcha Tucson. All of our Adult Education Academy classes, including our new Introduction to Judaism series, are live and on Zoom. Access those through the website, BeitSimchaTucson.org. For more information about Beit Simcha to come to services, our great religious school and Torah Tykes programs, Bar and Bat Mitzvah, Confirmation and High School programs, and rich array of Adult Education Academy courses taught live and on Zoom, and all of our services in person and on Facebook. And November 11th, we have a Shabbat afternoon hike and service at Catalina State Park. Everyone's welcome at 2 p.m. Go to BeitSimchaTucson.org or call 520-276-5675. That's 520-276-5675. Join me, Rabbi Sam Kohan at Beit Simcha, the fastest growing Jewish congregation in all of Southern Arizona. Do you know someone who personally made a major difference for the whole Jewish people? An individual who's done important work for Klal Yisrael and deserves to be highly recognized for that effort. As president of the Kohan Memorial Foundation, I'm grateful that the modest cash awards we started more than 10 years ago have grown into a substantial amount of unrestricted funds given to winners with the help of donors like many of you. The foundation, named for my grandparents, Rabbi Samuel S. Kohan and Irma Kohan, makes these awards for important service to Klal Yisrael, the entire Jewish people. That service can be in one of four activities, unity, education, creative arts, or rescue. Past Kohan Award recipients are remarkable people who've done outstanding work. If you know someone who qualifies for a Kohan Foundation Award, please go to kohanaward.com, C-O-H-O-N, award.com, and fill out the simple nomination form. That website is kohanaward.com. Nominate an individual or donate yourself. Do it for the whole Jewish people. If you have a question, comment, compliment, or criticism, please email us at 2jewishradio18 at gmail.com. That's T-O-O Jewish Radio 18 at Gmail or visit our website 
twojewishradio.com. You can hear all past and present shows through the website, twojewishradio.com, T-O-O-Jewishradio.com, streaming us from there, downloading us from the Apple iTunes Store as very popular Jewish podcast top 10 in America, According to Moment Magazine, over 200,000 downloads on Podbean and now on Spotify, too. Post a rating, review to Jewish wherever you listen to us. Those comments help. The stories we share last a lifetime and are passed down from generation to generation known for our compassionate commitment to the families we serve. Evergreen Mortuary and Cemetery has faithfully served the Tucson community and the Jewish community for over 100 years. We help thousands of families plan and carry out celebrations of loved ones in unique and special ways and assist them in sharing those lifetimes of stories meaningfully. The most beautiful and tranquil final resting place in all of Southern Arizona, Evergreen's tall pines shade peaceful grassy fields. You can count on Evergreen for superior service and the highest degree of integrity. Our informative, well-trained staff is here to assist you with a full range of on-site services. Call Evergreen. 520-888-7470, 520-888-7470, 520-888-7470, 520-888-7470. While we serve the whole community, our experience conducting Jewish funerals, Reform, Conservative, and Orthodox is second to none. We have sections dedicated to all religious faiths, can help you arrange for your future needs or your immediate ones. Whether you choose to hold a traditional funeral service or a completely individualized ceremony, either in person or online or both, Our goal is to help you create a meaningful, personalized service based upon your unique needs in a place of reflection, tradition, and serenity. Evergreen Mortuary and Cemetery offers the best to the community and to you. Call 520-888-7470. To speak to a family advisor at Evergreen, call 520-888-7470. We welcome our expert on the international Jewish scene, Tom Price. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Rabbi. Tom, you recently came back from a trip to some of your old haunts, um, Belgrade uh, and Malta. Um, Malta is a fascinating place. I've, I've been there for eight hours once. That makes me an expert, of course. You lived there. Uh, tell us about this visit. Yeah, I lived there for a couple of years. Um, my first three postings overseas in the Foreign Service were in this order, Paris, Belgrade, and briefly back to Washington, and then Malta. Wow, so, you really had it tough, didn't you? I mean, geez. Well, I'll tell you what. In those days, you could barely breathe the air in Belgrade. There was so much pollution because they heated with dirty coal. And if you went outside with a white shirt, your collar was black long before nightfall. Um, it was not a healthy place. And... Everybody smoked constantly in those days. So when you went to a cafe, which is where they live most of their lives, and most of the year it's cold, so you're sitting inside where everybody's smoking. You came out reeking of smoke for like the next three days. You couldn't get out of your clothes or your hair. So it wasn't all... Okay, it wasn't all... It wasn't all all bed of roses. All right. But Malta was much more outdoors and much warmer. And, and I'm not mentioning the fact that you also served in the Cote d'Ivoire and Islamabad and... Uh, Some rougher places, yeah. And Armenia rougher, before Armenia. they had any electricity. Right, right. Right. So, yeah, but Malta... Malta's a very special place. It was founded by Phoenicians. So its language is purely Semitic. Which also makes it... Old, really yeah. old. It's it's very close to 
Hebrew. And so it was easy for me to learn at least uh, passively to understand, if not to speak correctly. Um, and one of the geographic features of Malta, one of the prettiest places on Malta, is something called St. Paul's Bay, because St. Paul was shipwrecked there on his way from the Holy Land to Rome. Um, so there's a lot of connections with early Christianity, but there's also a deep, somewhat mysterious and vague Jewish history in Malta. We know that in the, at the peak of the Roman Empire, every Mediterranean port had a Jewish community, and Malta was no exception. So Jews in Malta go back at least to Roman times, but then they appear much more frequently in the Middle Ages, when Malta was ruled by a variety of foreign powers, including the Ottoman Turks, including uh, the Italians, including the French, including the Spanish. Um, and at one point, the old capital city, which is called Medina, it's a hilltop city surrounded by a wall. It's very beautiful, and its nickname is the Silent City because there's no cars allowed inside those walls. So that city was 40% Jewish at one point in history. Not in ancient times, like two, three hundred years ago. So at one point, Malta had a much bigger Jewish population than it does today. Today, there is theoretically a rabbi there whom I've never met, and a tiny Jewish community that apparently on the the holiest days of the Jewish year, and you know what those are, uh, they do I'm, get a minion. I'm familiar with those, right. yes. They get a minion. But normally, they don't even have, I mean, for somebody who wants to say Kaddish, they're out of luck. You know, uh, I, I was thinking back to Malta, uh, not only really enjoyed the time I spent there, not very long, but also, you know, one of the, perhaps the most famous play of the 16th century in England was The Jew of Malta by Christopher Marlowe. Right. And which which hinges a little bit on the great battle for Malta held by the the knights and uh, against the, the Ottomans. And the, the, sea, the, the Great Siege the great of 1565. Siege, right. right, right, right. And you still see fortifications from that and all kinds of visual reminders of that Great Siege. It's a, it's a fascinating place, and uh, it, it, I'm glad that there's still some Jewish life there because it was clearly an important Jewish community. Yeah, and also it was important because first the Ottomans and then the Barbary pirates captured Jews on various military raids, held them as slaves who worked in galleys and stuff, but learned quickly that there was a lucrative business in selling them back to wealthy Jews from the north of Italy, places like Livorno. For redeeming captives, Jews would pay right. a, a Pidion ransom. Right, it's right. a great Pidion mitzvah Shuim. to redeem a captive. So right. um, there were both in Valletta and a few other places that are on the water there were so-called Jewish sally ports where Jews went into a door in the walls and came out from a door in the walls, and in the interim, they were imprisoned. Mm. Amazing stuff. Tom, thanks so much. We'll talk next week. I look forward to it. It's time now for our old Jewish joke of the week, Jewish humor, your Bubby and Zadie New, brought to you by Two Jewish as a public service. This one, a classic from the late, great Jackie Mason. My grandfather always told me, don't watch your money, watch your health. So, one day while I was watching my health, someone stole my money. It was my grandfather. 
That was the old Jewish joke of the week, special feature of Two Jewish, just for you. You should live and be well. And now a word of Torah. This week we read the portion of Chaye Sarah, which marks a transition in the Genesis narrative from the tales of Abraham and Sarah, our first Jewish father and mother, towards the next generation, featuring Isaac and Rebekah. But first, we begin with an end. At the start of the portion, we're told the length of Sarah's life, and almost by accident, we learn of her death. The life of Sarah was 100 years and 20 years and 7 years, the Sedra begins, and the famous teaching on it tells that Sarah was just as beautiful at the age of 100 as she was at 20, and just as free of sin at 20 as she had been at 7. A fine encomium for a significant figure passing from the scene. Chaye Sarah is a portion filled with negotiations that have great influence on the future of the fledgling religion, someday to be known as Judaism. The first extended section of Chaye Sarah is actually dedicated to arranging for Sarah's funeral. Abraham purchases the cave of Machpelah in Hebron, the first piece of real estate owned by our people in what will eventually be known as the land of Israel. And yes, it's in Hebron. That cave becomes the burial place not only for Sarah, but for most of the patriarchs and matriarchs. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Leah eventually all find their final resting place in Hebron. In Chaye Sarah, the purchase of this plot involves an extended bargaining session from the Hittite who owns it, and the payment of a huge sum for the first permanently Jewish land in the world. It establishes Jewish legitimacy in the Middle East at a very early point in history, perhaps 3,800 years ago. I have visited Machpelah a few times, once many years ago when you could go into the cave itself, and a few years ago when Jews were only permitted by Israeli authorities to go into the area above the cave for fear of creating a violent incident. Machpelah still has a certain power to it. After the burial, the narrative in this Torah portion moves us forward with one last important detailed episode of Abraham's life. Abraham's old. He sees that his son Isaac has not married and perhaps is unlikely to do so without parental intervention. Abraham charges his trusted servant to go back to the old country of Haran, Sumeria, and eastern Turkey, just north of today's Syria, and bring back a suitable girl for Isaac to marry and carry on the line of believers in the one true God. After a long journey and the first extended prayer we have in the Torah, the servant meets Rebekah drawing water from the city well of Haran. He knows she's the one for Isaac because she shows generosity and intelligence. Oh, and physical strength. The servant, too, bargains, in this case, with Rebecca's duplicitous brother and father. Eventually, he arranges for her to become Isaac's wife, but at the crucial moment of the narrative, Rebecca's family puts the question to her, Will you go with this man? That is, will she leave all she has ever known and journey to an unknown land and future husband? Well, this final negotiation in Chaye Sarah is brief. Rebecca agrees quickly, yes, she will leave the homeland and her father's house, go to the land that will be shown to her. Like Abraham before her, she embraces this call to begin a new life. And so she goes, 
and meets Isaac, and the future of the people and of monotheism is thus assured. These three negotiations revolve around crucial elements in our people's history, land, descendants, and destiny. Without title to the land of Israel, we would have remained homeless wanderers. Without descendants, we would have, well, ceased to be. And without the courageous choice of women and men like Rebecca and Abraham before her, our destiny would have been disappearance. As Jews, these remain our principal goals today and often still require negotiation to achieve a secure land of Israel our children and grandchildren's Judaism, and the destiny of our people as a moral light to the nations. They are great goals, and we will continue to work to achieve them. When we return in a moment, our guest this morning, the beautiful actress Swell Ariel Orr, star of the beauty Queen of Jerusalem, explains what it's like to have experienced October 7th when your own friends don't return from a concert and how the Israel Reserve Fund she started is bringing Israelis home from all over the world to assist in the war effort. Learn about it when we return here on Two Jewish. We continue with our Two Jewish update on news of Jews around the world with commentary. Bolivia last week broke diplomatic ties with Israel because of its attacks on the Hamas terrorists of the Gaza Strip, while neighbors Colombia and Chile recalled their ambassadors to the Middle Eastern country for consultations. The three South American nations lambasted Israel's attack on Gaza and condemned the deaths of Palestinian citizens. None of them condemned the October 7th brutalities of Hamas, of course. Bolivia decided to break diplomatic relations with the Israeli state in repudiation and condemnation of the aggressive and disproportionate Israeli military offensive taking place in the Gaza Strip. Deputy Foreign Minister Freddy Mamani said, Colombia and Chile were clear that they have not broken off diplomatic relations with Israel. Not yet, anyway. All three countries are led by leftist premiers who have taken up the cause of Palestinian rights and attacked Israel publicly long before this war. China suddenly removed Israel from the maps that its many citizens use. On the two major Chinese map platforms, Alibaba and Baidu, viewers are able to see Israel's neighboring countries of Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and Lebanon. But the Jewish state's name is missing. Although the change appears to have been a wartime decision made as conflict rages between Israel and Hamas and Gaza, the companies have offered no explanation, refusing to comment in various press inquiries. The two websites serve as the country's equivalent of Google Maps. The Chinese government blocks access to Google Maps for its citizens because of its sensitivity about territorial matters, you know, like takeovers of Tibet, things like that. In the past, China has angrily challenged foreign platforms whose maps did not acknowledge their own territorial claims. Relations between Israel and China have been tense over the course of the war. China's foreign ministry did not clearly condemn the massacre committed by Hamas in Israel October 7th, simply denouncing actions that harm civilians, calling for calm on all sides. 
Subsequently, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi stated that Israel's actions have gone beyond self-defense in Gaza. Israel's foreign ministry, in turn, expressed its deep disappointment with the Chinese statements and announcements. Chinese statements made in response to the war's outbreak, according to the Israeli foreign ministry, have failed to provide a clear and unambiguous condemnation of the horrific terrorist acts carried out by Hamas against innocent civilians, including the abduction of so many to Gaza. China, along with Russia, vetoed a U.S. push for the U.N. to act on the Israel-Hamas conflict by calling for pauses in fighting to allow humanitarian aid access, the protection of civilians, and a stop to arming Hamas and other terrorists in the Gaza Strip, instead favoring a resolution demanding a total ceasefire. Across the Chinese media and Internet world, which is monitored and seriously censored by the government, I know, I worked in China for a little while, anti-Israel and anti-Semitic messaging has been rampant, including numerous tropes regarding alleged Jewish control of American media. The Chinese government's English-language newspaper China Daily published an editorial charging that the position of the U.S. support for Israel places it on the wrong side of history. When the Israeli embassy in China asked China to condemn Hamas on the popular Chinese social network Weibo, the Post received thousands of hateful and anti-Semitic responses. Before the outbreak of war, Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu had been scheduled to visit Beijing to promote rapprochement with China. No longer. And by the way, there are many Israeli companies doing business in China. FBI Director Christopher Wray in the U.S. warned that anti-Semitism in America has reached historic levels in the wake of Israel's war with Hamas. He cautioned that the threat of attacks is high. Hamas's attacks could serve as an inspiration, the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. Ray said, testifying the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee. The ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the U.S. to a whole other level, said Ray. He added that the FBI believes the greatest threat in the United States is posed by lone actors. Ray noted in his testimony that while Jews account for less than 2% of the U.S. population, around 60% of religious-based hate crimes target Jews. Last week, the Anti-Defamation League reported a 21% spike in anti-Semitic activity in the U.S. since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. The Jewish community is targeted by terrorists across the spectrum, homegrown violent extremists, foreign terrorist organizations, both Sunni and Shia, domestic violent extremists, Ray said. Ray appeared alongside Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who is Jewish, at a hearing was convened to discuss security threats to the U.S., including those stemming from the conflict in Israel. In the days and weeks since October 7th, we have responded to an increase in threats against Jewish, Muslim, and Arab American communities and institutions across our country, Mallorca said. The hearing was held on the heels of a number of incidents and threats this past week, including those directed at Jewish students at Cornell and at a Jewish senator from Nevada, Jackie Rosen. The Biden administration also vowed to have a plan within two weeks to address what it says is grotesque anti-Semitism on college campuses. It is grotesque. This is not a time for panic, but it is a time for vigilance, Ray said during the hearing. We shouldn't stop conducting our daily lives, going to schools, houses of worship, and so forth, but we should be vigilant.
And that's the two Jewish news of Jews round the world. The stories we share last a lifetime and are passed down from generation to generation, known for our compassionate commitment to the families we serve. Evergreen Mortuary and Cemetery has faithfully served the Tucson community and the Jewish community for over 100 years. We help thousands of families plan and carry out celebrations of loved ones in unique and special ways and assist them in sharing those lifetimes of stories meaningfully. The most beautiful and tranquil final resting place in all of Southern Arizona, Evergreen's tall pines shade peaceful grassy fields. You can count on Evergreen for superior service and the highest degree of integrity. Our informative, well-trained staff is here to assist you with a full range of on-site services. Call Evergreen, 520-888-7470, 520-888-7470. While we serve the whole community, our experience conducting Jewish funerals, Reform, conservative, and orthodox is second to none. We have sections dedicated to all religious faiths, can help you arrange for your future needs or your immediate ones. Whether you choose to hold a traditional funeral service or a completely individualized ceremony, either in person or online or both, our goal is to help you create a meaningful, personalized service based upon your unique needs in a place of reflection, tradition, and serenity. Evergreen Mortuary and Cemetery offers the best to the community and to you. Call 520-888-7470. To speak to a family advisor at Evergreen, call 520-888-7470. We welcome back to Two Jewish, our guest this morning. Swell Ariel Orr became, uh, I guess, rocketed. You can't use the word rocket to stardom anymore. but became uh, uh, one of the shining lights of Israel cinema, um, featured as a, a major star of the Beauty Queen of Jerusalem, which a lot of us have um, compulsively screened on Netflix, um, is in a variety of other films, including Sufim, which she was talking about earlier today. Um, I, tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like being chosen for the Beauty Queen of Jerusalem, what it was like filming that. You had a lot of major Israeli stars involved in that production. When I finally got the coveted yes, it was unbelievable. Stories like that, it's a combination of my two favorite things on earth. Storytelling as a form of art and storytelling to un- as a tool to understand our people's history. And when it comes together to a project like The Beauty Queen of Jerusalem, there's nothing better than that for me as an actress. A little bit more about that. You were playing, um, you know, in, in the mid, a Sephardic family, right? What's your own background, uh, Jewishly? I'm half Yemenite and half Ukrainian with a little bit of the Iraqi spices. That's why it's called acting, I think, right? <laughs> Tell us about um, the project that you really helped originate and your publish, publication, publicity of it to uh, raise funds to help bring uh, Israeli reservists back. So when October 7th happened, I was on my way back from Canada. It's the first time I'm experiencing something like that so far away from home. And I felt so helpless and full of pain and sadness and guilt, and I wanted to do something. And meantime, I talked to my friends. You know, I'm 24. A lot of my friends are the ones who 
were called for duty right now. And they were all over the world. They were traveling and they had to fly back home. The government didn't pay for the flight, not the consul as well, not that I'm judging them. They have so much things to deal with. But the result was that a lot of the reservists had to pay their own tickets to come back home. And we're talking about not just the, the money and but also the length of the journey, you know, from the smallest villages in India and or like or South America or Thailand. Yeah, South America, or, exotic uh, places. And it can get up to like $1,600 for the round trip. And I, I understood this is the small piece of the puzzle that I can focus on. You know, it's not a life or death mission, but our philosophy, our fun philosophy is to bring their morals out is to show them that someone's thinking of them. We're trying to do whatever we can to make them feel supported and seen and hopefully one day whole hard, crazy war will end and they'll be able to to go back to where they were and continue traveling and be free. You know, no one person represents Israel abroad, but do you feel that responsibility? Yes, but I don't think, I don't feel like I have to do it. I'm choosing to. This is how I was raised. This is my set of values. Like, I I understand that it's, it's a complicated task. We're getting a lot of hate on socials, and it's not easy, but we have to fight back. There's a kind of a generational divide, I think, um, even here in America, which is in general strongly supportive of Israel, in which younger people don't understand really, people your age um, here in the, in the United States definitely take a different approach. Um, not all of them, of course, but enough. How would you, what would you say to somebody your age who thinks that the Palestinians are misunderstood and downtrodden and anything that's done in their name is acceptable? Go research and learn history and gain the tools to be able to have a wider sight of the situation and tools to be able to communicate about it. I think all the answers are in the history and people shouldn't be lazy and just go research. Tell us, um, did you know anybody that was uh, involved in the attack that was captured or killed? Yes, I've lost a few childhood friends, the Nova Party. In the Supernova Party. Yeah, unfortunately, everyone I know lost someone. Tell us, it, it costs between, a, what, a 1000 and $1,600 to fly somebody back? Yeah, it can come up to $1,600. It's crazy. Yeah. Where where do people go to find out how to do this, and how can they help? So we have a website, um, the Israel Reservist Fund, and also it's in my bio on Instagram. And it's very easy. You can see you have all the information there about who we are, what do we do, and how you can donate. The system is very easy, very accessible. Just help us share it and help the soldiers. Swell, I want to thank you for a great visit here on Two Jewish. Um, and, and I know there'll be light at the end of the tunnel sometime, who knows when. 
Um, I hope that your family stays safe and that you're able to bring as many people as possible back. Tell us again the name of the website so that people can go to help. The Israel Reservist Fund. By the way, I, if you haven't seen the Beauty Queen of Jerusalem, um, you should. And I think you're a revelation in it. I know you're going to continue to be a big star. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me today and helping to spread the message of the fund. Let's help those reservists. It, it takes something special to come back and to know what you're coming back to. Thank you again. When we come back on Two Jewish, we'll hear about next week's guest and get a final musical playout. We are the soul of Tucson. We are your neighbors and friends. Our commitment to provide the very best relies on the finest products and services you, our community, has to offer. Together, we make Tucson thrive. When we win, you win. Casino del Sol, the soul of Tucson. Enterprise of the Pasquayaki tribe. Thanks for being here with us this morning on Two Jewish with me, Rabbi Sam Kohan. Join us next week. Our guest will finally be Lynn Gladner, podcaster, publisher, and author of a new novel about a woman becoming Orthodox and much more. It's called Woman of Valor. Sorry we had to move it down, but so much to talk about and so many important Israeli guests. Join us at Congregation Beit Simcha this Friday night for services in Oneg Shabbat at 6.30 p.m. Saturday morning too, 9 a.m. Torah study, 10 a.m. services, Torah reading in Kiddush, live in person in our Facebook page. Classes are available on Zoom. Our play out this morning comes from Israeli singer Benny Friedman. It's a mashup of versions of Am Yisrael Chai, The People of Israel Lives, and Ivdu et Hashem Basimcha, Serve God with Joy. My friends, may you have a Shavua Tov, a good week, a healthy week, and a week we pray profoundly of justice. Sponsored by two Jewish radio programs, Tucson, Arizona.